0: Good morning, church. Uh, as Pedro said, my name is Dina, and I'm part of a teaching team here in Riverside, Lisbon. Uh, it's so good to be here to worship with you all this morning, although the weather was not really well. Um, and if you're here for the first time, very welcome. And if you're here for the first time in any church ever, uh, we, we sing songs for, for the Lord, and then we open the scriptures and study uh, and see what God is telling us. So that's what we're going to do right now. And if you're visiting us, if you're traveling, I hope you're having a good break and enjoy the next week of rain. Sorry about that. Um, so we are in the middle of a sermon series called "Exodus," uh, and we are studying the second book of the Bible and trying to understand how this story of a bunch of Israelites being in slavery and God redeeming them, how does it apply to us now? 4,000 years after that story. That's what we're going to do. And before we dive into the scriptures, I want to give you a quick recap of what happened in the series so far, just like a TV show that we keep uh, bringing up in the last two weeks. Uh, So in Exodus chapter 1, so we jumped right into the plot of the story. We see Israelites being in slavery um, and they're abused by Pharaoh and Pharaoh the king of Egypt. Uh, He even ordered a genocide to kill all the babies so that he can wipe out the Hebrews. So in chapter 2, we were introduced to this mom who had a baby and the baby looked beautiful. And I was surprised when he read it. I'm like, all the babies look beautiful. For this one is very, apparently, very beautiful. That the baby, that mom couldn't throw the baby in the river. So she made a little basket and she let the baby float in the river. And this baby was picked up by the daughter of Pharaoh. And he w- was grown into Moses. And we were introduced to this character called Moses. And we thought, okay, he's going to be the protagonist of the story. He's going to do everything. So Moses grew up. And he was, you know, very passionate, very compassionate for his people. And he looked at uh, a thing incident happened. An Egyptian beating uh, Israelites or abusing an Israelite. So he went and killed the Egyptian. So we like, there you go. Good, good for you, you know. He's going to be the hero of the story. Uh, but no, so even their own people, they were like, who made you the judge to rule over us? Who are you, buddy? So he has to run outside the countries because people are um, trying to try him for murder. So he has to run outside the country. So in chapter two, we see the baby was born and we thought he'd be a hero, but now he ran outside the country and he's living in the desert for 40 years. Chapter 3 opens up. And um, Gabby was introducing us this beautiful chapter of God revealing himself to Moses. Who he is. He says, I am who I am. And Gabby highlighted this part. It's very interesting that Moses took a moment to turn aside and look at the wonder. And, and Gabby was saying, in our lives, God calls us to... To help people around us and we all we need to do is take a moment to look aside towards god and what he is calling us for in our lives but of course just like us moses gives a list of reasons of why is not able to do the job uh why he's not qualified and it, it that's amazing chapter three and four if you read it it says god was extremely patient with moses and even showing him signs, okay, throw your staff and becomes a snake, and showing a few things so he can feel more comfortable in doing what God is calling Moses to do, which is go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let the people go. That's all the instruction is. So Moses comes back. He goes to the Israelites and say, hey, God called me, and I'm going to go free every one of you. And and uh, chapter four ends with, um, if you put it up on the screen, chapter four thirty one says, they believed, and when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them, and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. And that's where we are at right now. So we're going to start right there, and it's 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 a sign of hope. And Israelites were excited for God. They bowed down and worshipped God. They believed God, and God was concerned, and it's been 400 years since they heard anything. It's about time. So this is where we're going to open up, and we expect, as, as, as in our lives, things are going to get real right now. God saw the pain. He remembered the covenant. He spoke to Moses, and Moses spoke to Israelites. Israelites believed, and now he's going to go to Pharaoh. Um, and this is where things have to happen. And how many of us start this new year, with this kind of excitement. God called me. I started everything. I obeyed God's calling. And this is a plan. I'm going to do it. And things are going to get changed now. And we'll, we'll open up with chapter 5 here. Let's see what happened here. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Let my people go. So that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. The king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. Um, There are so many interesting things in in this passage. The first thing Pharaoh says is, who is the Lord Uh, that is a very strong statement and that's going to be the backdrop of everything god is going to do in the rest of the chapters every time he does a miracle he's going to say now you know i am the lord and that's a very interesting thing and but the the thing i want to highlight in this one is what the king of egypt said is he said now go go back to your work (laughs) can you continue next one please That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and overseers in the charge of people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy, and that is why they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. So Pharaoh basically increased the workload for the people. And, and the, the, the main point you want to focus here is, he made the work harder so that they keep working and pay no attention to the lies. So the lies here was what Pharaoh is addressing is what they were saying about redemption. They are saying about you're going to f- get freed from slavery. And Pharaoh was saying, Let them not pay attention to the lies so they can focus on the work. And this is not what we are expecting from from the storyline. God was supposed to do something now and this whole thing not supposed to happen. And as we continue more, I think I missed a slide there. So then the Israelite overseers went and appealed to Pharaoh, why have you treated your servants this way? Your servants are given no straw yet we were told, make bricks. Your servants are being beaten, but the fault is with your own people. Pharaoh said, lazy, that's what you are, lazy. That is why you keep saying, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Now get back to work. You will not be given any straw, yet you must produce the same full quota of bricks. So this whole straw thing is, uh, in modern terms, Pharaoh was cutting one of their supply chains, Supply chain in their process of making bricks. So they need a straw. The straw you get from the stubble. After the harvest, you take the stubble uh, from the crops and you make the straw. So that was being provided by Egyptians to the slaves so they can make the bricks. So now Pharaoh says, No, no, go get your own straws and make the same amount of bricks. And things just got worse. They tried to fix something. They tried to free the people and the people have to work more now and the hope is crushed and this happens to us a lot too, we, we try to fix something and then we just make it worse and, and sometimes it becomes a funny story, you try to fix something change your light bulb and trip the whole power of the whole apartment, those things are funny but sometimes it, 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 the pain is real, the, the, the hurt is real and and you always wonder, is this really God calling? If this is God calling, why is this happening? Or is God sovereign over the situation or not? Or am I even capable of this? Am I insufficient maybe? Is it something I did? And I remember I was trying to recall some of the things God did in my life. And, and one of the sharp things um, that can, I can relate to this is... Um, When I went to U.S. for the first time, uh, so I I was originally from India. I was born, brought up in India, and I had no dreams of leaving the country. I had no plans. I had, I don't even know we can dream like that. I was from a small town, small village, and I was content. I had a job. I had, I finished my college. I was a ideal student or, you know, in my village. I thought I'm the smart, but apparently not. Uh, When you come out of the town, you know that. Um, so I was there, and then uh, around 2013, um, or yeah, 2013. After I finished college, weren't working. Around September, October, I got this idea of oh, let's go to US. It, it, I'll tell the whole story later if you're interested. Um, it was random. From my cousin is going, so uh, and all the people around me are like trying to go to study. I thought oh, maybe why not? And then the next fall, I'm in US. It's a crazy story how everything I, I opened up was working. And God opened doors back to back to back to back. And I really know that's God's calling because I wasn't planning. And I wasn't really bright. And I got accepted into a really good university. And, and the, the whole timing worked really fast as well. Because it's not that uh, possible. And especially finances. At the time, my dad was working in a church. So the bank doesn't give us loans but somehow we got a loan from a bank who gave us like 13% interest. Ridiculous, but somehow we got it. And I was so excited. I'm in America, first time taking the flight ever. So, and then I'm landing in Chicago. So excited. And then things got real. And I thought, God is going to open the door. Now things are going to work out because this is God's call. I'm pretty sure this is God's call. Now I'm going to be the best student ever. And I'll be the example of this guy from a small village and living the American dream. <laughs> it didn't work out, at least in the, not in the first semester. Um, things got really messy and and, and I had to work t- from eight to two o'clock at night just in the basketball stadiums, cleaning after the games, in football stadiums after the game, picking up trash. Uh, just so that, because the, the expenses are so high. My first semester fees was... Two years' wage of my father, so it, it's crazy. Then I started to think: Is it something I need to do, or can I just go back? I, I can't. And oh, especially I was failing in my classes. That's the worst part. I was supposed to ace every classes. I thought I'm the smart, but no, I was really failing. I couldn't keep a three GPA. Uh, so, and I started to think: Is this God really working in this or not? Is this God's call or not? I'm. I'm I'm going through this phase of discouragement. I'm going through this phase of completely doubting myself, also doubting God in a way. Uh, What do I do? And that's a question we're going to answer today. What do we do? What do we do when we are in a situation when you prayed, you waited for God to answer, and you waited for God to open the doors, and you, you started the project or made the decision to do something, and then it didn't work out, and then it was hard, and then it was stuck. What do you do? Let's see what Moses did. And that's what we do. We, we read the scriptures and see what people did. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Why, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you send me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people. And you have not rescued your people at all. Did you notice what's the first thing Moses did? What's the first thing that Moses did in the first line? The last one. Moses returned to the Lord. He went back to the Lord. He didn't run away from God or he didn't look for other solutions apart from God. The first thing, he went back to the Lord. When you are discouraged, the first thing we need to do is go back to the Lord. Go, that's where you find the answers. You cannot find answers anywhere else. Go back to the Lord. And the next thing is it's such a good thing that Moses did. It becomes a template of prayer throughout the scriptures. He confronts God. He goes to God and says, why? Why have you brought trouble on these people? And he, that's why I highlighted that because it's a, he's pointing to God. Why have you brought trouble on these people? He didn't bring trouble. It was Pharaoh. And later on, he corrects himself. But in your frustration, in your, in your, in your pain, in your deepest moment, Go back to God and do not hide your pain and don't hide your frustration and just be honest with Him how you feel. And God encourages that. If you look at the prayer of David, if you look at the prayer of Habakkuk, all throughout the scriptures, God encourages people to come be real with Him. And these conversations happen all throughout the scriptures. And he didn't get his theology right. You don't have to be like, oh, God is sovereign, so this can happen, plus... You know, you don't have to do all the calculations. Just be, go to God and just pour your heart out. Because God is sovereign over your life and he doesn't take delight in the suffering of his people. And and the other thing, is very crucial is and what Moses learned from this and this is where Moses can learn dependency on God. And I and I go back to my first semester story again, and I remember, and that's my semester, that's my time period. I get completely dependent on God. I remember going to a church after a lot of searching, December of that year, and I was crying and I was pouring out uh, in a, in a worship song because I tried everything, and and I don't have any other solutions now. I. I'm cornered. And that's where you you completely get intimate with God. You completely get dependent on God. And if you ask married couples who are married for a long time, and if you ask them, what what is the deepest moment where you are really close with each other? um, and, And it's not always the fun moment. It's usually the deepest struggles where they get close to each other. And when God walks you through these struggles, that's where you can get closer to God. And God... Answering this question, God didn't say, whoa, why did you talk to me like that? Let's see what God says in verse 6, six, chapter 6. Then the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. And God says, now you will see. Now you will see. Wait and watch. You're not going to see before in chapter 5, but chapter 6, God is saying, now you will see. So God has his timing when he wants to move, when he can move, and we have to trust his timing, and although it doesn't seem perfect for us, but God says, now you will see. And moving on, God speaks to Moses, says, God also said to Moses, I am the Lord, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they were resided as foreigners. Moreover, I've heard the groaning of Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. And if you can recall the last week's uh, message, this is just a repeat of, Exodus 3. This is something God just gave this lecture to Moses in 3 at the burning bush. So, what God is doing is He's reminding you again. He's reminding Moses again of what about His promises He just gave in the last chapter. And God says, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham. And the Lord word here, it means Yahweh. I am Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob as God Almighty. It's El Shaddai. But my, my name, Yahweh, I did not make myself fully known to them. When, when you're frustrated and disheartened, God is renewing his promises again to you. And he says, I am Yahweh. Your forefathers might have known him as a God almighty who makes promises. But you will know me now as a promise keeper. I don't just make covenants. I'm going to keep those covenants. And then God also uh, addresses Israelites and he says, Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, my, your God who brought you out from under the yoke of Egyptians and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob I will give it to you as a possession I am the Lord and and, and this whole paragraph is is such a good promise of God and this is not just a random things that God say oh I'm going to do this 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 and if you if you highlight the wills there Inca and you can see right from He starts. God says, I am the Lord. And then he ends with, I am the Lord. And there he goes to seven different promises. And we're just gonna, the next slide, you can see the first one, he says, I'm gonna bring you out and I'm gonna free you. I will redeem you. And he's talking about redeeming them. And then he says, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. He's talking about bringing them into adoption, into the family. And then he says, I will bring you to the land I will give it to you as a possession. Where God is giving him, them a possession. And this is a beautiful promise. When I studied this, I'm like, whoa, that, that God just didn't say, I'm going to do this, this, this. He, he had an idea. He had a pattern of how he wants to do this. I'm going to redeem you first. And then I'm, I'm going to bring you into the family. And then I'm going to give you a possession as a promise in my covenant to Abraham, Isaac, and Moses, Jacob. And we, we're not going to keep... Keep reading the rest of the chapter because there's a lot more story to it. Uh, so what happens next is, so Moses comes to the Israelites and tells them the whole thing. And Israelites could not believe anymore. They believed before, but they couldn't believe anymore because they were in pain. They were in suffering and they were in, uh, yeah, so much work. They just got double the work. And then if you tell them these, they can't, they can't believe. They couldn't believe. And even Moses starts complaining again that maybe God sent someone else. I can't go. It's too much. I'm not. How can I speak to Pharaoh? And no one is confident in this story. Um, But what does God do? A little spoiler. You will know the rest in the rest of the coming weeks, but God still keeps his covenants. God still works. God still redeems them. God still adopts them. God still takes them to canon. And Coming back to my story, I I do remember when in in the face of getting completely broken, uh, I didn't go back to God like Moses did. Um, I I was just, I gave up. Um, I didn't, I I stopped looking for church because it was hard and I I don't want to focus as much anymore on reading the Bible or anything. I picked up drinking. It, It was extremely hard and that's the only way I could do. But God didn't give up on me. I remember... In November or December, this one guy comes to me in my university, in a lab, and he t- tells me about Jesus. I'm like, bro, I know about Jesus. Come on, give me more, something else. Uh, and then he goes, well, why don't you come to church with me? And, and, and in the U.S., in Midwest, I, you can't take a bus. It, it's, you need car to go around. And I, I don't have a car. I, the church is too far. I can't go. And he goes, no, I'll take you. And It it so happened and he becomes such a close friend for the rest of my time in U.S. and, And I know that I intentionally gave up. I intentionally don't want to believe because it's too much, too stressful. I'm too spiritually broken. But God could not give up on me. He will not give up on you because he made a covenant with you in Jesus. And church, God knows you this morning if you're tired of your studies or work are your life situations, are your personal struggles or failures. He knows your deepest pain. But your deepest pain or deepest struggles will not trump God's promises. Because God's covenant is everlasting. It's not going to trump your failure last week. It's not going to trump your bad week last week. It's not going to trump your bad last three months start to this year. Despite your insufficiencies, despite your weaknesses, despite your situations, despite your visa situations, God will keep his covenant because Yahweh is faithful. Nothing can stop our covenant keeping God. He is the promise keeper. And, and this story, um, we are not studying Exodus just to take some moral values out of it. Uh, but this story is ultimately pointing to a promise, to an ultimate redemption that will happen 2,000 years ago after this. God f- did follow upon his promises to bring redemption, to bring adoption, to bring, give us possession to everyone in the world, not just the Israelites. When Jesus stepped into this world, he went through the same life sufferings as Moses did, same discouragement as Moses did. When Moses asked why God, God gave him a list of promises and they encouraged him to do it. But when Jesus asked on the cross, why have you forsaken me? God did not answer. You know why? Because so that you and me will never be forsaken again. God kept his covenant to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he's making an everlasting covenant with you today. Do you believe it? He wants to bring you out of the slavery and he wants to free you and he wants to redeem you with the blood of the Christ. And he wants to adopt you as a children. John 1, 3, 3 1 says, see what great love the father has lavished on us. That we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. He created us to be God's own people and he adopted us in his family to be the children of God. And we are still in that um, midway until we get home. We, God will give us his everlasting life to live in his presence forever one day as our possession. Until then, God, the spirit of God lives in us. I'm going to invite the worship team uh, here and we're going to go into a time of worship. But I want to take this time to think about uh, t- take some time to meditate. Maybe you can close your eyes or keep it open. And w- what do you do when you're discouraged or having a bad day? Are you focused or you immediately try to focus on The things you fail or your insufficiencies or the blame of that colleague or blaming yourself? Are you just focused on Jesus? Are you running back to God and pouring your heart out, saying, God, I don't know what to do. I did everything right. I took all the steps. I applied for jobs. But nothing is opening. What do I do? Do you run to God? Hebrews says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith for the joy set before him he endured the cross scorning his shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God this morning church as we're going to worship this next few minutes let us focus on Jesus not on our situations It's okay. Our strategies can wait. Our difficulties can wait. But let's focus on the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He endured the cross for us. He suffered this shame. And he he looked up to the joy of saving you and me. And that was his joy. That's how he endured the cross. So that you, you and me don't have to be the slavery anymore you and me don't have to worry about our situations anymore that's how he went for the cross can you recall the promises that God made you in the past when he called you when you started that project when you started moving to this country or for this new year Are they hard to believe? Maybe you're not sure if God can provide that. Romans 8 says, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give you everything? We have a new covenant with Jesus, just like a new, the old covenant that God made with Israelites. We have a new covenant. God given you a new promise with Jesus. That is, if God can give up Jesus to bring you back, to redeem you, would he not also take care of you? Your situations, your difficulties, your struggles, your job search, or your every part of your life would you not also take care of it? He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. He is El Shaddai, God Almighty, the One who makes ways in the wilderness. He makes streams in the desert. He's the promise keeper. He's Yahweh. He's our Lord. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, Lord. God, you are the almighty God. We, We surrender our life to you. Maybe we didn't run to you when Problems, we always look for solutions first and other places, and then come to you at the end if we need you. God, give us a tendency to come to you all the time. I'm sorry, God, for not running back to you first. Remind us to run back to you, God. Through the situations, through the struggles, through the discouragement phases in our life. God, use those faces to get intimate with us. Reveal more about you to us so we can know you more. So we can know a certain part of you that we wouldn't have known without that situation. Let us walk with you, God. Like a couple walks, let us walk with you. Reveal yourself to us. Renew your promises to us. Maybe we forgot God. Maybe our situations are leading us to not think about it anymore. It's hard for us, God. We are broken. Remind us again. Speak to us, God. God, you are the promise keeper. You just don't make promises. You keep them. You keep your covenant. You are a faithful God. us to believe that that you are a faithful God you not just call you equip and you follow through to it even though we fail sometimes thank you for that God thank you for the cross thank you for bringing us into the family thank you for this community where we can gather together thank you for everything you have done God praise you. We thank you. We bless you. We surrender our life again to you, God. Every part of our life, every situation, hard highs and lows, everything we surrender to you. We run back to you.